Hey, everybody. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions. Hey, everybody. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbbVie. In each episode, Nora has a real conversation with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they took action to understand this disease. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start Embracing the Journey and learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. There's Chuck Bryant about to fall asleep. And I'm Josh Clark. This is Stuff You Should Know. How's it going? You just went all hee-haw. I totally did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. I got the price tag on my little hat. Did you watch that as a kid? No, I never did. I really? was a more solid gold guy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I see that now. Big time. And Muppets. Muppets actually, I think, came on before or after right. Solid Gold. Carol Burnett show? Yeah. Yeah, my mom was a big Carol Burnett fan. Me too. I thought Tim Conway was the funniest human being alive. I knew you were going to bring up Tim Conway. Chuck always talks about Tim Conway. It's incessant. <laughs> it's always about Tim Conway. Tim Conway this, Tim Conway that. You know what never happened to Tim Conway? He never got promoted to a job he wasn't qualified for? We've been doing this way <laughs> too long, Chuck. Way too long together. You can predict my every move. Yes. He can just point, and he knows what I'm about to do. Sometimes I wonder if I actually do things because he's telling me to with his mind. Wow. Yeah. If so, I only had that power, dude. Oh, I'd be in big trouble. Yeah, you would. Yeah. So, Chuck, um, let's talk about the Peter Principle. Have you ever heard of this before? Well, I read your article when it was initially published a while ago. But, I mean, were you disappointed with it then, too? <laughs> no, I actually thought it was better then than I do now. But, I see, I grew up with this. Like, my dad had this book. And, like, oh, really? Yeah, yeah I've never like, heard of it. It was like 60s kind of, like, intelligent, ha-ha-ha kind of joke, you know, like gotcha. cocktail party humor. Sure. Yeah, and I grew up around that kind of thing. So, I, you know intelligence right so um, That's good. Uh, I, this, this was like the peter principle to me is something that like i've known forever so it's odd to meet people who don't, who hadn't really heard of it before well my parents were both educators uh-huh. and maybe um like i knew nothing about business and corporate life yeah. and that kind of thing well my dad was an engineer a train engineer yeah dude dude <laughs> no no okay no he was a mechanical engineer for on trains yep <laughs> Let's go. Okay. <laughs> so, Chuck, what we're talking about is uh, based on a, uh, let's see, I think it's a 1969 book? 1967. 1969, we'll say. Somewhere in there. And it's called The Peter Principle, Why Things Always Go Wrong. And it definitely was based on an article written by a guy named Dr. Lawrence J. Peter, <clears throat> who was a uh, an educator. Right, and apparently it it was in Esquire magazine initially in January of 1967. Yes, there was a huge response to it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, what it was it, it was tongue in cheek. It's an unnatural law, right? Like uh, Parkinson's law, which we'll get to, right? Sure, or Murphy's law, which we won't get to. We've already done that one. 
Oh, I have think, we? Or was that pre-Chuck? I think it was pre-Chuck. Those days don't exist in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you mean. So anyway, Chuck, it's a, it's a kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it actually does reveal um, kind of this, this wry observation that, you know, all of us have seen at one time or another, that eventually, if you promote somebody based on good work, you're going to promote them to a point where they're no lo- they're so far out of their field right. they've become incompetent yeah, in their current job. That's pretty funny. There's uh, one sterling example that comes to mind. Uh, oh, I don't know, back in the heady days of 2005, maybe late August, early September 2005, mm-hmm. a little thing called Hurricane Katrina struck New Orleans with a vengeance. Yes. And there's this, um, I, I think it's a federal agency, and it's charged with handling natural disasters or disasters of any kind that occur in the U.S. That would be the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA. A.K.A. FEMA, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, it just so happened that in late August of 2005, FEMA was headed by a guy named Michael Brown, who you may know and love as Brownie. Right. So Brownie uh, was running the show when Hurricane Katrina hit, and basically it took days for the feds to respond. I remember uh, reading an article, or several maybe, where Bush was questioning whether it's even the federal government's role to help out in this kind of disaster. Right. Right? Well, sure enough, FEMA finally gets around to helping. I think they got a few bottles of water down there and trucked some people out, that kind of thing. Uh, And um, amid this complete cluster of a uh, rescue humanitarian mission. Yeah, mismanagement. Totally. In, in, in every form of the word. Yeah, we, the good people of FEMA, we want to say, were probably working very hard, but it was mis- it was a top-down type of deal. And, and just ease off. I'm, I'm going okay. I'm I'm to bail Brownie out here in a second. Okay. Um, but amid this, this bungled crisis rescue mission, mm-hmm. uh, Bush goes down to New Orleans and says, Brownie, you're doing a heck of a job. Right. Which he wasn't. No, and he even knew he wasn't. No, uh, yeah. So this is not judgment on our part. Right. I think even while the, uh, the rescue operation or the, uh, the crisis alleviation operation was going on, Brownie famously said, can I quit now? Yeah, I love that quote. So why was... It made me feel bad for the guy. Yeah, no, I, I agree. He's in way over his head. I feel bad for him too, and he was in way over his head. Why? Because of the Peter Principle, because he was promoted to a position... He was not qualified to uh, manage. Correct. He period. He was formerly his job right before the head of FEMA. He was in charge of the Commission on Judges for the Arabian Horse Association. Right. He's which, good at it too. Yeah, he excelled Apparently. in that position. Uh-huh. Right. That was part of the reason why I think you know maybe a little bit of um, helping your buddy out. Sure. Uh, had to do with it. So which, which everybody does. I mean, I got this job because of a friend. So that did you really? I got this job by my own blood, sweat, and tears, pal. Blood, sweat, and tears, Josh. Great band. Agreed. So is Earth, Wind, and Fire. Right. But Earth, Wind, and Fire won't get you a job. Blood, sweat, and tears will. Agreed. So we'll cool in the gang. Okay. So Chuck, um, you're right. There, there is a certain level of nepotism, or I'm not sure what it's called when you get friends' jobs. Is it still nepotism? I oh, thought that was strictly familial, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Um, so, yeah, so but Brownie doesn't fit the classic definition of the Peter Principle because he got his job in large part because he knew the president. Right. Is it usually someone who's promoted from within? Is that the distinction? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so what happens is, is you – I use the example in this article of a uh, web designer. Think of one of the guys in dev, right? Right. 
So you're just excelling at your work. You're 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 working your tail off. Everything you do is just golden. Mm-hmm. You're a born developer, right? Right. Right. Well, if you do that long enough and you get to know the people around you long enough, you'll probably get promoted to a position of, of um, manager. Right. So where you're still over the dev department, but you're now telling the dev department what to do. Right. Conceivably, if you're of a certain ilk, uh, you you would be able to kind of carry that out. Well, yeah, if, if you're capable of doing that. But let's say that you are kind of good at that. And you excel at that, but you're still really you're doing you're walking behind other people and fixing their mistakes, that kind of thing. Right. Uh, you're still doing developing. Let's say you excel in that ma- managerial position, and you get promoted eventually out of development. And maybe you're over development, like you're the uh, CTO, right? Right. But you're no longer developing. Now you're managing. You're working with budgets. You're hiring people. You're firing people. Completely different skill set. You're likely going to be incompetent unless you're a born manager and you're good with budgets right. and you know, um, dealing with COOs and CEOs and stuff like that, right? Yeah, that actually happened. Same exact scenario at my last job. Did it really? A web developer, and he was great at that. They promoted him, and um, he was not a good manager of people. No, I think I think it takes a certain kind of person. It's like sales. Sure. Right, I, I I can't sell anything. Oh come on! No, I'm telling you. Come on! Uh, uh, you I sold me, buddy. I thanks, dude. <laughs> uh, no, I I can't. Like I'm no good at sales. Yeah. Um, I'm I also suck at uh, serving. I I was a terrible waiter. Yeah, I was a decent waiter. I sucked at it. That's good. Thanks. Um, good so for you. <laughs> thanks, Chuck. Why is that good? Well, because that means you don't have to be a waiter. That's true. Well, you were good at it, and you're not a waiter. Well, true. I'm a writer. It's only one letter different. Agreed. Um, so let's say you, you you do get promoted to CTO, and you're doing hiring and firing now. Here's where the Peter Principle, uh, which has just occurred because you've been promoted to your level of incompetence, here's where it becomes a vicious cycle, right? Right. Do you want to take where it no, becomes? No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, the... the it, since you're hiring and firing people, you're probably also likely promoting people. Right. So if you're an incompetent manager, then you are probably going to make terrible decisions on who to promote. Mm-hmm. So the problem with it is that eventually in a hierarchy, which all businesses are based on, where it's a top-down top down, uh, process yeah, where pyramid. most of the work is being done by the lower levels, the base of the pyramid, and then you go further and further up, and the least amount of work is being done by the people at the top, supposedly I hear. Right. Uh, so eventually, the top of the hierarchy becomes populated exclusively by incompetent people. Right. In a worst case, Peter Principle scenario. Right. But if uh, this is what I found most interesting is that um, unless you are what he called uh, super incompetent, quote unquote, right. then you won't get fired. No. You'll just continue along, and basically, what happens is is mediocrity takes hold. Doesn't mean you're awful, and that you're going to make decisions that will destroy the company. But you're mediocre, and since there isn't a process of de- demotion in mm-hmm. this country, mm-hmm. or maybe there isn't in any country, uh, in the corporate structure at least, you, you, you can't be demoted without it looking like... Um, you failed. You failed, exactly. Yeah. Like, they can't just say, you know what, this isn't quite right, you were, you were better at your other job, so why don't we just put you back there, um, and you'll even make more money doing so. Well, that that's a real solution to the Peter Principle, is number one, installing a mechanism right. where... You, if it, if you're not working out, you get to go back to what you're doing, right. but without the stigma of failure. Mm-hmm. The other, the other, this is the one I subscribe to, is um, offering 
uh, increased compensation without promotion. I subscribe to that as well. Well, think about it. I mean, like most people accept promotions mm-hmm. and uh, be based on the increase in salary, right? Right. Some, it's not sometimes like, I really want to manage somebody. Well, it's usually like, I really want to go make more money. Yes, yeah. but those are probably people who are born managers, right? Yeah, but I would say the prestige and the title and the money is even above that. Yeah, the money's at the top, right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, so if you could, if you could set up your business in such a way that you are paying people, you're giving them increased pay, vastly increased pay, like the kind that you would get if you got a promotion, right? Without promoting them, then you're going to avoid the Peter principle altogether. The problem is, is that that you basically create a um, a class structure uh, where there are just people out there who are you know, executives. Right. And that's what they do. And then you have people out there who are just developers. Right. It's actually very socialistic in nature. It is. You know? Uh, Parkinson? Yeah. So there's another dude, uh, an English historian. His name is C. Northcote, C. Northcote Parkinson. Nice touch. Great name. Nice touch. Thank you. Uh, and he uh, wrote in The Economist magazine in 1955 his first law, which was, Work expands so as to fill time available for its completion. Mm-hmm. I think most people have heard this. Yeah. And I think I might agree with the guy. Oh, yeah. If you it's, give somebody a week to do a project, they'll take a week. If you give them two days, they'll get it done in two days. Sure. Same project, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, it's kind of yeah. like Murphy's Law. Yeah, it's an unnatural law. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, what the, the, why Chuck just mentioned that is because, um, one of the, there's actually a contrary theory to, um, the Peter Principle. Oh, is this Lazare? Yeah. Okay. That's the, he wrote a, oh, I'm sorry, an article, not a book, called The Peter Principle, A Theory of Decline. Mm-hmm. And he he put the uh, the onus uh, for responsibility onto the employee rather than an incompetent manager who right. incompetently promotes somebody uh, who shouldn't be, right? Right. He said that uh, what happens is you have your average employee who's looking for that promotion probably because they want more money, Right. Probably. So they're they're working, 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 like, you know, 80-hour weeks and right. um, just putting in all this time, neglecting family, all that. Um, and once that once that's noticed after a certain amount of time, usually you, they will get a promotion. Right. Thing is, it's not a, that's not sustainable behavior, right? Well, that's when the trouble hits. You rest on your laurels once you finally hit that promotion. Yeah, and once you've gotten the salary because, again, businesses don't have any kind of fail-safe put in to knock you back down when you do do that. Right. You either get fired or you just keep doing the same job. And most likely you're not going to get fired. You're just going to do a mediocre job. Right. But Lazar uh, or Lazier said that it was the employees basically creating a deception that made people who shouldn't be promoted promoted because they're right. being promoted based on their work ethic that was actually an artificial work ethic. Right. I, that's kind of cool, too. I it like is. all this stuff. I thought you hated this article. Oh, I was just pulling your leg. Oh, you shouldn't toy with me. It's much, uh, it's much more interesting when we talk about it than when I read it, to be honest. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree, Chuck. We've taken some... Uh, Kind of fluffy articles and, and done some yeah. cool things with we them. Should, you know opinion. what we should do? We should start a podcast. <laughs> what a good Since idea. we like talking about I stuff. I don't even know what a podcast <laughs> is, dude. Hey, everyone. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbbVie. In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they take action to understand the disease. 
That's right. Recognizing how a migraine attack can change the course of your day, she unpacks each guest's journey and how they talk to their doctors to find the treatment plans that are right for them. Yep. Along with headache specialist Dr. Christopher Ryan and other special guests, Nora speaks to these incredible people who've channeled their feelings of isolation in their chronic migraine journey into advocacy and art. Plus, there are also eight episodes of their first season available for you to binge. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start, embracing the journey as they learn a little bit more about life with chronic migraine. Hey, everybody, we're here to tell you about Viator, a tool that you can use to plan and book travel experiences around the world. That's right. The Viator app and website make it easy to explore 300,000 plus travel experiences so you can discover what's out there no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in. Yep. Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. That's right. You can also enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been on the experience that you're considering. Plus, you get free cancellation that helps you plan for the unexpected. Yeah. And Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know you'll get support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, you know, the Peter Principle also doesn't just apply to employees. Right. It applies to innovation as well. Is that, you got that right, buddy? Yeah, it's, it's the same exact principle. And this was uh, an essay called The Peter Principle of Innovation by Nitin. I've never uh-huh. heard that word. Nitin Borwankar. Bor- yeah. What a great name. Yeah. And um, he basically said the same thing applies to innovation. Uh, young he company, or she. He or she um, proposed a, that a young company has room to innovate, producing new ideas, advancing old ideas. Yep. And the same thing happens. At some point, the innovation turns stagnant. Uh, yeah. And the reason why it turns stagnant is because eventually you hit a home run. There's and you say, yeah. okay, well, this one thing we just did just made us a billion dollars. Let's keep doing it over and over again. Right. And everything else kind of falls to the wayside. Right. So, yeah, innovation becomes stagnant. What happens is, is the people who are still innovators go off, found their own company, and do the same thing. And it just keeps happening exponentially, right. this cycle of innovation and stagnation. Like I think Google would probably be a good example. It's like they've completely mastered search on the Internet at this point. Sure. Seemingly. And they've innovated their company structure and their company model to a point where people have left Google and started their own companies. Sure. I, I don't I don't know that it's a, a lack of innovation, though. They do a lot of... I don't think they've hit stagnation yet. You don't think so? No, man. They're throwing so much money at new ideas well, all that's the time. True. That's and true. Um, they've got like uh, the Google Reader, where they're trying to scan every book in existence and put right. it on the web for free. That's true. Uh, there's the uh, Google uh, Take Over the Planet project, right. where yeah. in they're all going to put microchips in our brain while we're sleeping so right. they can control us. A, they're building like a Death Star. Me. Yeah, the Death Star, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think they're still innovating. No, they are in different directions. I think I was probably just thinking of the, the base Google base model. Yeah, I understand. But, yeah, you're totally right on the money, So, Josh. Chuck, we were talking about ways to fight the pure principle, and there's actually one more way, and that's actually uh, – the, the up to the employee. What to uh, just have the go get them to uh, to do good work? No, oh, 
<laughs> no, it's to have the uh, smarts and wherewithal yeah, sure. to actually say, you know what, this guy's about to promote me into my level of incompetence, and I'm not going to do it. Think again, buddy. So you can just turn down a promotion. Yeah, but it's so unheard of in the states. It goes back to the money thing, though. If it was the kind of thing where they would give someone raises without the promotion, I think people might be more inclined to do that. Well, yeah, it has to go hand in hand with the the companion piece, which is living without as much money as you could have. Dude, I'd be all over that. More money, less responsibility. I think that the Peter Principle actually did speak to my dad because he loved drafting. He loved drawing HVAC right. uh, specs, right? Really? That was his thing. Uh-huh. And actually, toward the end of his career, he got tired of HVAC, so he went over and learned refrigeration, uh, which was apparently totally different. Uh, I would have thought that it'd fall, it'd fall into the same category, but I guess not. Um, but he, he, after like 30, 40 years, he got bored with HVAC, but he didn't try to move up, right. he just went to refrigeration. And he actually, I don't know if he ever turned down a promotion or not, mm-hmm. but he made it very well known that he was quite happy doing what he was doing. He did well for himself, right. um, and he never became an executive. He, he just didn't want to. Sure. That's cool. Uh, so, I mean, it can be done, and I'm wondering just how much of an effect or impact the Peter Principle reading the book had on right. him. Uh, but yeah, this is called uh, Peter's Perry, which is basically turning down a promotion. If you don't have the guts to turn down a promotion... Um, or if your spouse would murder you if, if he right. or she found out that you turned down a promotion, yeah. um, you can actually self-sabotage. Yeah, sure. Do you want to hear a couple examples that, uh, that Peter gives? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, one is um, uh, basically wearing too much perfume or cologne. Really? Nobody wants to be around you like that, you know, but it's not so it, – it's not such a, an obvious uh, um, social – Misgrace, disgrace. Yeah, I got another one. Can that I they're going to say anything. I love. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Fun. Go ahead, Chuck. Parking in the uh, company president's reserved parking space. Yeah, again, purpose. you're you're just showing like I I don't really care. I'm not going right. to look out for you uh, unnecessarily. Yeah. My favorite one is to kind of subtly give the impression that you lead a morally questionable personal life. Kind of like we do. <laughs> yeah, which we do every week. Right. Twice a week, actually. I, I might have a bit of self-sabotage in me, to be You honest. think? <laughs> me too. So, uh, Chuck, neither one of us want to manage anyone. You know, I was avoiding that because, you know, I, I, I the parry, I fell on one side. I do, I go to the self-sabotage side. I don't want to manage anybody either, Chuck. No, I have a hard, a hard time managing myself and you. Yeah. So, there you go. Peter Principal. Peter Principal. It's done. Uh, if you want to learn more about it, or if you basically want to read the article Chuck and I just covered 110%, you can go to HowStuffWorks.com, our beloved website, and type Peter Principal into the handy search bar, which means, since I just said handy search bar, that it's time for listener mail. Listener mail, Josh. I'm going to call this one Frightening Listener Mail. Ooh, yeah. I don't know if you read this one, because you usually email me and say, Did you read this one? And I didn't get that on this one. Okay. Uh, I'm writing to share an experience I've had, and this related to uh, the Deja Vu episode. And this is from uh, Drowsy Doug and his dreadful dreams in Portland, Oregon. Doug. So, Doug says, At times when I'm sleeping, my mind wakes in the middle of the night, but my body does not. My eyes open, and I can see the bedroom from a sideways angle. The dark shadows of the dresser, the tree outside the window, my arms and legs curled up below me, yet I cannot move. The frightening thing, it's already frightening if you ask me, the frightening thing about this is that though my mind is aware of the reality of my situation, it vacillates in and out of the subconscious, creating visions that seem all too real. So he goes on for a minute here, but I'm going (laughs) to skip down. 
Uh, one particular moment which stands out in my mind is this. I opened my eyes in the middle of the night. I was lying in my uh, bed on my back, paralyzed, watching the image of someone standing at the foot of my bed in a pig suit. What? Yes, in a costume animal. <laughs> I was waiting for that because he actually put that in parentheticals. I know that I had my eyes open because I slowly came to consciousness, the pig man fading into the darkness like a blurry image, and I hadn't closed my eyes the whole time. It was as if my mind just projected an imagined image onto what I was actually seeing. Once I even got up from my own bed, walked into the bathroom, and in the darkness, the reflection of my own face was stretched and contorted, and I was bleeding black liquid out of my mouth. (laughs) But then I woke up and I was fine. Oh, okay. So, uh, Drowsy Doug says, Now, I'm sure you get lots of weirdos writing you, but I assure you I'm a pretty normal guy, all except for this terrifying waking nightmare syndrome. (laughs) I don't believe in possession or ghosts or anything like that, so I'm not supposing the supernatural. Yet the occurrence of these dreams both fascinates and terrifies me. I've come to recognize the exact creeping feeling of it coming on, yet by that point there's nothing I can do but try to talk myself into waking. Is this common? Have you ever heard of this? And why can't they be about Hollywood hotties and not strangers in pig suits? (laughs) So, like, why can't I see Giselle at the foot of my bed and not some... Guy in a big suit. He actually does suffer from a recognized condition, and sadly, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it sounds it's like called. But when you when right. your mind wakes before your body does, this is pretty bad. Conscious though. of of your surroundings, mm-hmm. it it is a recognized condition. Seeing fursuiters um, is I don't know what that is, and seeing yourself bleed like black ooze. Yeah, I, it sounds like there's a lot of self loathing there. It's frightening. Is yeah. that your armchair? Uh, Psychiatry. Yeah, I, I literally have my arm on a chair right you now. Do. Yeah. Um, and then I asked him if he'd seen the movie Donnie Darko because I don't know if you saw that, but it was very reminiscent of that. So oh, yeah, a guy in a rabbit that. suit, sure, and Frank the Rabbit, yeah. which is one of my favorite movies. That's a great movie. It is so well done. And so, drowsy Doug, dude, good luck. Uh, wish we could help you. I wish we could help Doug too. If uh, anybody out there has any clues to Doug's mystery, any suggestions on uh, maybe what Doug could do, e.g drink valerian root tea and hope for the best that kind of thing right um just email us at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com want more howstuffworks check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage brought to you by the reinvented 2012 camry it's ready are you? Are you thirsty? Well, Richard's rainwater is caught clean before it even hits the ground. Rain is naturally pure, so there's no need for harsh chemicals or additives. Richard's rainwater contains no chlorine, no forever chemicals, no microplastics, no nothing. Enjoy the smooth, clean taste of still rainwater or the cold pressured bubbles of sparkling rainwater. Just visit richardsrainwater.com to find a retailer near you. That's richardsrainwater.com. And for a coupon, text STUFF to 251-292-8887 and receive $2 off a 12-pack case of Richard's Rainwater. Hey, everybody, if you've been looking for love at first sight, it's closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to June 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours, too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more and see full terms and conditions.